Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Which is Jesus Christ. The only foundation. That's my sermon. The only foundation. That's the title. The sermon, I suppose I could give in a sentence, the only foundation for Christian faith is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ is where our faith begins, and it really can't begin anywhere else. Jesus was with his disciples near Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples this question, who do people say that I am? They replied, well, Some say you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Some say you are Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're another one of the prophets. So people are wondering who this Jesus of Nazareth is, and they are looking in their Bibles, and they're reasoning, and they're thinking about it, and they come up with what in one sense are reasonable, biblical um, answers to the question. Well, Elijah's going to come, so maybe this is Elijah. Uh, maybe this is John the Baptist raised because we believe in a resurrection. Maybe it's Jeremiah. Maybe it's another one of the prophets. Maybe that's who Jesus is. And so they are approaching this with thinking and reading their Bibles and coming up with some sort of, for them anyway, a logical conclusion as to who Jesus is. But then Jesus asks a second question, the supreme question, the all-important question. Who do you say that I am? Ah, Not what do other people say about me. the, The question is no longer who do people say I am, it's who do you say that I am? And it was Peter that replied first, and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not Elijah, not Jeremiah, not John the Baptist, not one of the prophets. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Hmm, you're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't figure that out on your own. You didn't come to a logical conclusion through study. No, you are simply blessed. Because my Father has revealed to you. He's pulled back the curtain. An apocalypto. He's he's pulled back the curtain. An apocalypse, which doesn't mean devastation and end. It means to unveil and to reveal. You are blessed Simon, son of Jonah, because my father has revealed this to you. That's how you know that. And he says, and upon this, well, you are Peter. You are, you are Petros. You are Rocky. 
And upon this massive rock, this Petra, I'll build my church. And so what is the church built on? The church is built on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. This is the foundation that we didn't lay. No one can lay it. It's laid by God. Just as God created the heavens and the earth. We didn't create the heavens and the earth. We can't do that. God did that. We can't lay the foundation for faith. God is the one that acts. And he lays the foundation by giving us the revelation of who his son is. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the son of God. The foundation the church is built upon is not the Bible, it's not reason, it's not theology, it's not thinking, it's not logic, it's none of those things. It's the revelation given to us by God that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Christ, Jesus is the supreme revelation of God. This is the gospel. Jesus is Lord. That's, that's the gospel in its simplest form. Jesus is Lord. By that we mean a whole lot of things. We mean he's God. We mean that he is the creator entering into creation. We mean all of those things when we say Jesus is Lord. Now we can't prove it. And we're not called to. We can't prove it and neither can it be disproved. You can't prove in the sense of, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4 in the sense of let's go into a laboratory in the sense of let's send up Sputnik and find out something about the heavens. No, you can't prove empirically as if that's the end of all things. You cannot prove empirically that Jesus is Lord. We only proclaim it. And then it's either believed or disbelieved. We proclaim it because why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so we proclaim that Jesus is is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that, in that proclamation, generates the capacity to have faith. If we try to prove that Jesus is Lord, well, stick with me. If we try to prove, I want to prove it. And that's what we do, because we, we're not, we don't like to, the idea of building on revelation. I want something else. If we try to prove that Jesus is Lord, we are trying to build on some other foundation. We're trying to build on I don't know what. We try to build on the Bible, but then we have to prove the Bible. Or we try to build on evidence, and so we have to prove, I don't know, we have to prove all this stuff. And so we try to build on logic and reason and persuasive rhetoric and all of that. No, that's not the foundation that's laid. So how do we know? Because, you know, modern people are obsessed with this. How do we know that Jesus is Lord? We know it because God has revealed it to us. That's how we know. God has made it known to us in Revelation, and faith is our response to what God does first. Faith is not something we achieve by figuring it all out. Faith is our response to the revelation that God gives us. So think about... uh, Saul of Tarsus, head full of scripture, heart full of hate. He has heard that there is a sect of Jews in Jerusalem who are claiming that a Galilean by the name of Jesus of Nazareth is in fact the Christ and that he's been raised from the dead. Saul of Tarsus thinks about it and he figures it out that that's impossible. 
that can't be because the Bible says so. Because the Bible in Deuteronomy says, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Therefore, Saul of Tarsus is absolutely convinced that Jesus is not the Christ. And he hates these people that are saying this. And he persecutes them. And he presides over the stoning of Stephen. And then he hears a rumor about there's some of these some of these heretics up in Damascus. So he gets arrest warrants and off he marches to Damascus. But as he nears the city, a light brighter than the sun shines upon him. He's knocked to the ground and a voice out of the unapproachable light says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul says, who are you, Lord? Doesn't mean who are you, sir. Saul knows that the one that speaks from unapproachable light is in fact the eternal I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. Paul is using the word, the Greek word kyrios, which is what every pious Jew used to refer to the unutterable one, the eternal I am. Who are you, Lord God? I am Jesus. And that's the revelation that changed everything. Not just Saul, who becomes Paul, you know. It doesn't just change Paul's life. It changes the world. I mean, what is the lasting impact of the Apostle Paul upon the world? It's incalculable, but it all begins in a moment when God revealed to Paul that Jesus is the Christ. He says so. He says it like this when he writes to the Galatians. He says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Or it can be translated, I received it through a revelation from Jesus Christ. I think it means both. Where does Paul get his gospel? From a revelation given to him by and about Jesus Christ. It comes as a revelation. Now, Paul will then back up and do all kinds of study, and he will now read the Bible in a new way, and he will become our greatest theologian, but he didn't he didn't arrive at confessing that Jesus is Christ by his careful study, but by a revelation that was given to him. And Paul loves that word revelation. He uses it some 30 times in his epistles. So I was 15 years old, a nominal Christian in the sense that I went to church and I could give you, I could give you, and I, if you ask me who is Jesus, I would have said the Son of God. But it was in the same sense that I would say, you know, who is the first president of the United States? George Washington. Who invented the libel? Thomas Edison. Who's the son of God? Jesus Christ. It was, it, was a, it was a collection of information that I had acquired in my head over time. But then on November 9th, 1974, God was pleased to reveal his son to me. Now, for me, it was, it was rather dramatic and sudden. 
that doesn't necessarily need to be the pattern at all. It can sometimes just the revelation come as the sun rises and it's just a gradual dawning and oh and then one day you realize that it has been revealed to you that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God mine was more sudden but that that's neither here nor there the point is I didn't study my way to Jesus I didn't sit down I didn't I wasn't reading the Bible that time I'm sure I had one somewhere I never read it (laughs) I didn't like make a careful inquiry and study the evidence and read scriptures and think, hmm, maybe, maybe this is a logical conclusion. No, it was simply revealed to me. And I knew because I knew because it had been revealed to me. I didn't think my way to Jesus. Now, after the revelation that Jesus is Lord was given to me, now I read the Bible all the time, and I do theology, and I'm trying to work out the implications of this. But I don't start with the Bible. I didn't start with studying. I didn't start with logic and reasoning and theology. It started with a revelation that was simply a gift given to me. God told me. I know sometimes we're nervous about that, but I have to say, how do I know that Jesus is Lord? Because God showed it to me. He revealed it to me. You can say it this way. He told me. And I know he told me. And now, now I'm, I'm spending my life working out the implications of that. But my foundation is the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, not my studying, my thinking, my theology, all the Bibles I read and all of that. No, 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 no. My theology is me trying to work out the implications of who it was that was revealed to me. So, so why, do I, why do I take the Bible seriously? Why do I treat the Bible as authoritative? It works like this. Because Jesus was revealed to me. It starts with, everything starts with Jesus. That's the foundation. Can't build on any other foundation. Jesus was revealed to me. But it's not entirely an unmediated revelation because the revelation is made possible by the witness of the church. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ proclaimed by the church and so suddenly I realized oh this is not unique I'm not the only one there's a whole community of people that have been given this revelation and have come to know and believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God so now I'm listening to the church the church is credible to me because of its witness and then the church says hey BZ we have a canonical text that we regard as authoritative and it's called the Bible but I don't start with the Bible it goes Jesus by revelation I realize that that revelation is mediated by the witness of the church. That's what makes it possible. So I have respect for the church. And the church says, hey, we have an authoritative text. We call it the Bible. Now, why does any of this matter? Because I think some of you are thinking, well, he's going on and on about, you know, whatever. This sounds like philosophy, not preaching. Oh, no, I'm preaching. (laughs) But you say, well, why does it matter? It matters because once you try to build your faith, I'm talking about your faith, Once you try to build your faith on some other foundation other than the revelation of Jesus Christ, everything's imperiled. Everything begins to become unstable. And this is a modern phenomenon. I'm using modern in the technical sense. This is a phenomenon of modernity. This is something that comes out of the Enlightenment. Rene Descartes, French philosopher, 1596 to 1650. He's the the beginning point, really, of the Enlightenment. Now, he's a Christian. He's he's a Christian. He's a committed Christian. 
Rene Descartes. He's, he's not an atheist. He's, in fact, the very opposite. He's not an atheist. Uh, he, he believes in God, but he wants to prove the existence of God. Oh, my goodness, let the madness begin. That's, that's, that's his mistake. He's going to prove. God, does not, God cannot be proven in the sense of, you know, examining the hydrogen molecule or something like that. It just doesn't work that way. But he's going to try to prove God. Now, to do that, he's got to decide what foundation to build on. Where does he begin? Because he says everything can be doubted. Everything's doubtable. We can doubt everything. And he's thinking, well, what can't I doubt? I've got to, I've got to find bedrock. I've got to find a foundation to build on. And finally, he goes, cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore, I am. I can doubt everything, but I can't doubt my own existence because I'm inside my head thinking about it. And that becomes his foundation, and that's a problem when it comes to faith. It may lead to the capacity to build an iPhone, and that's great. Celebrate it. Hallelujah. I'm all for it. That's why you can see me right now. You know, technology. I'm all for it. But it is not the foundation for faith because what happens is you're kicked up inside your head as the autonomous self, and you have to prove to yourself over and over and over that what you believe is true. You're, you're all alone upstairs inside your head. And, you're, and you, inside your own head, must be the sole arbiter of what you believe. And for many people, that becomes untenable. They can't do that. They lose the battle inside their own head to believe. Uh, along with Rene Descartes, you need his contemporary, Blaise Pascal, another French thinker from the same time, great mathematician, he was a great shining luminary of the Enlightenment. He was one of the leading mathematicians of all of history. Uh, but also, he understood some things about the nature of the human being. He's the one that gives us the aphorism, the heart has its reasons, of which reason knows nothing. You don't abandon your heart to entirely, solely, exclusively live inside of your head. The heart is what receives revelation. Listen to me. The heart is what receives revelation from God. This is why the intelligent and the educated have no advantage over the unintelligent and the uneducated in knowing God. See, if you're going to arrive at there, if you're going to arrive at the knowledge of God through thinking about it, through empirical thought, kicked upstairs in your head all alone by yourself up in your head, if that's how you're going to encounter God, then the intelligent and the educated have a profound advantage over those that are less fortunate, less, less gifted. That's not the way God operates. Now, academic theology matters. It's important. I mean, once you begin to respond to the revelation, then the possibility of doing academic theology is, is present, and it matters. I mean, I've already read some Karl Barth this morning, and I like that stuff, and I see its place, but it's not the foundation. It's not where you start. Last year, last year, um, I met someone. I met a pastor who had lost his faith. I didn't know him. Uh, some other people knew him, and he had become an atheist, and they thought maybe I could help him. And so they set up a dinner. We went out to dinner, 
and, and I tried to help him, but I had to hear his story. And he said, well, he said, uh, I started listening to such and such podcasts, one of these, you know, post-Christian podcasts. <laughs> and uh, um, he said, and within six months, he was an atheist. <laughs> they, they, they talked him out of his faith. See, they talked him out of it. And he said, in the course of our conversation, I told him, I said, that was quite a leap of faith, you know, to just ab abandon your faith over a podcast. But I said, well, tell me more. And he said, well, why can't, why does Jesus have to be God? That was, why does Jesus have to be God? I said, well, what Jesus are we talking about? You know, Jesus. I said, no, you tell me. What, what Jesus are we talking about? Well, the, you know, the Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, yeah, and, and, and Galilee, yeah, Jesus of Nazareth, yeah, that, that one, yeah. Well, how do you know about him? Well, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, okay. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are witnesses to this Jesus, yes. Uh, but you don't believe he's God, no. Why not? Well, because, you know, it just doesn't seem reasonable. <laughs> Logic, man, science. I said, well, okay, so, so Jesus is not God, right, Jesus is not God. But you only know about him from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did, were, they, were they operating disingenuously? Were they, were they trying to foist a, a great hoax upon the world? No, 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 no. They, they, were, they were sincere. Okay, so they're sincere. They were what, just daft? Because they hadn't listened to a podcast? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're just, you know, they're just knuckleheads from whenever. And you, you listen to a podcast, so now you're smart. And you don't believe anymore. That's an extreme example of the predicament that we are in in modernity when we're kicked up inside of our head. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a place for rigorous apologetics. I actually believe that. Now, you want to go with the really rigorous ones because it is an intellectual pursuit. So you've got to get the really intellectual ones. That's why David Bentley Hart is so good at what he does. Um, but it's not the foundation for our faith. It's not why we believe. It isn't, okay, I listened to a series of debates between, you know, Richard Dawkins and David Bentley. Well, they don't exist because Dawkins won't debate hard. But anyway, if he would. I listened to a series of debates and I was convinced. Paul was very clear that that is not what he did. Paul was a keen thinker. He was definitely capable of debate. We see his style of rhetoric in his, in his uh, epistles. But in announcing the gospel, he simply proclaims it. He proclaims it, and he knows that the educated and the intelligent have no advantage over the unintelligent and uneducated in responding to the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. So ultimately, we know that Jesus is Lord because God has revealed to us. Don't be ashamed of this audacious claim. Modern people get, you know, well, they, they feel embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed by that. This audacious claim that Jesus is Lord that is self-authenticating, you know what that is called? It's called Christianity. Christianity is not a series of proofs. Christianity is the revelation given by God that Jesus is Lord. Now, you know this is true. You already know this. I'm just encouraging you to, to stay with what you know in your heart. You can trust the witness of your heart. You say, my heart can be deceived. So can your mind. You can listen to a podcast and get deceived. Listen, God has revealed to you that Jesus is Lord. The heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. We proclaim this, that 
we Christians proclaim this, that Jesus is alive, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended in the heavens, Thursday was ascension day, and that we all have access to Jesus Christ. Open to him. Open to Jesus the Christ. Let him reveal himself to you. Sit with Jesus. I talk about that in prayer school. I'm going to do one more, uno mas, one more online prayer school. This Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever dates those are, I can't remember. 25, 26, 27, maybe, I don't know, is that right? Yes, that is right. At 1 p.m. Central, you have to register. Go to wolc.com, you'll figure that out. But what I want to leave you with is the foundation for your faith is nothing other than the revelation that God has given to you that Jesus is Christ. And don't try to build on any other foundation. Amen? And amen.